the best, I think the quote of the whole conference will be me saying, you can put H5P in hypothesis and Steele's answer to that was, well, I can. <laughs> yes. Okay. Three, two, one. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Praxis Pedagogy Podcast. P-cubed. <laughs> yes, I guess you could say it's P-cubed. We are, well, we're live. This will be recorded, but we are recording live. Yes, we are. At the Open Ed 19 conference yes. in Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah, this is crazy. I yeah. can't, it's surreal that we're here. I know. It's, well, this is my first time to this event. Yours too, I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And there's 450 people here. Uh-huh. There's like a gazillion presentations going on every day. It's overwhelming. This is day two. Yes. So we had two keynotes yesterday. We have a final keynote tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. And we're here for one more day after that. So we go home the Saturday. This is the recording day. We're Thursday today. That's right. Okay. Yeah, it all kind of blends into one giant day, it feels like. Yesterday felt like three days packed into one. <laughs> That's totally it. My brain was so full yesterday. Oh. Even it, just after the keynotes, I was like, okay, I can leave now being a better person than I was when I showed up. Yeah, I need a nap. Yeah, that's kind of, that's going to be kind of my ma- my mantra here. <laughs> One thing I would say, if we're, we'll have a little tip section on how to handle conferences, but sure. like this is my first big conference. Yeah. Take some time to go rest and relax. That has been so important to me. Like yeah. there's been the few times where I've gone back to my hotel just to have some time out. Yep. Because I'm an introvert. I I'm like an extroverted introvert where I can talk to people. I enjoy my social times, but then it drains me. So I need that time to go back and just kind of recharge. It's been instrumental. Oh, it's been massive, right? And so I've been to a few conferences before, and um, I don't know, maybe we'll save the tips for later if we remember. Mm -hmm. That's the danger. Yeah, let's save it for later. All right. So uh, we're here. What's been been mind-blowing for you other than the episode we just got out of? Yeah, that, that was, <laughs> maybe we should oh. start with that. And Why don't we backwards. start with that one? We were talking about H5P, which is something that it's a tool that you can use to make interactive elements that can get put in your content management system, CMS right, or LMS. Right. Yep. So uh, commonly what most people would do is like build online quizzes. There's a feature called, uh, it's called quiz set. So you can build like multiple choice quizzes. Yep. You can build true or false quizzes, that sort of thing. What we were talking about today was interactive video that you can build within this. Yep. So you can have videos where, you know, you stop partway through the video, you have an annotation come up. You can actually ask a question. It could be a multiple choice question, true or false question, fill in the blank question. Uh, what some people are doing is they're having it so that students answer it. If they get it wrong, it will bump them back to the part of the video where it was teaching them that mm-hmm. so that they'll get a refresher on how to move on. And the crazy part is right now, it's not right now. It is free. Like if you go to h5, h5p.org. H5, Don't say the other one. Yeah. <laughs> then <laughs> we'll have to bleep that out. You can, uh, you can get access to all this content. It's crazy. And like, I'm just scratching the surface on my use of it. And then they're talking about how still Wagstaff was on and we'll have to have him on to um, the podcast sometime for sure. Yep. But he was showing us like how he has hacked putting H5P into Hypothesis, which is like an online annotation software yeah and then the best i think the quote of the whole conference will be me saying me saying you can put h5p in hypothesis and Steele's answer to that was well i can well i can yeah because <laughs> i am the steel egg staff yeah and he, uh, he hacked something together because yeah. he's a programmer right yeah. so yeah. And he, and he told us that we need to be talking to hypothesis about this which we will which i already have okay so as soon as i he said that i was tweeting to them so okay but yeah it's 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 just, and it makes it so much fun for our students. It's um, a lot of good formative assessment that can happen along the way. 
And now what I'm hearing, well, not that just hearing, but Moodle integrated H5P so that they can actually get some analytics out of it as well. So you can have summative analytics, you can have formative assessments. Like mm-hmm. It's just opened it wide open. So, and then the, some of the things we saw today were like the branching scenarios. And we talked to Arlie about her, her um, game. I think we mentioned, she mentioned it in her podcast, yeah. her episode that she's on with us and how they're turning it in this game that her and her students built which was basically a card game. Mm-hmm. They're now turning it into a online game using H5P branching. So it's incredible. Yeah. And, I, and the thing that I loved about that whole session was that there was just so many different people from so many different backgrounds mm-hmm. in the room. So you had people from like chemistry, you had people from biology, you had people from art history, you had people from trades, you yep. had, you know, people doing all these things still using the same tool. Yep. Right. And, and you're right. You're, you're probably one of the more advanced people in the room with H5P, but it was blowing everybody out of the water. Yeah. Right. Even, even the coder guy that was there. Yeah. Like he gets into the code part and he's like, I I just wanted to figure out how it worked because he's a weird coder like that. Yeah. (laughs) No offense to coders out there. When he was going up there and showing us all the code and he was getting excited and all I heard was Charlie Brown's mom. But uh, yeah, no, exactly. But he's he's getting all jazzed up because he can get into it from behind the curtain. Yeah, and and he can watch the changes live. Yep. Right. So that's kind of crazy. But, because it's um, and his point with all this was it's open source, so you can do it. You can get in if you're a coder. You can get in under the hood and yeah. start fooling around with it, which is amazing. Yeah, that's right. Yep. So yeah, what about you? With some big takeaways. Well, other than the H5P that we were just at, there's been a there's been a bunch, right? So, uh, the two keynotes yesterday. Yeah, I don't think you could have two separately. I won't say polarizing because they, they, there was nothing controversial about either one of them. No, but it, you had one that was when we talked about this yesterday. One that was very narrative style, very storytelling, mm-hmm. very, very uh, well touchy, right? Yep. Um, and then you had the second one, which was kind of more analytic background and. Uh, numbers and graphs and, and, and how you chart things and where does it get used and where does it show up and, and all that other stuff. But I mean, he, he also ended his with a pretty powerful ending in the sense that he talked about the shooting that happened in, in Pittsburgh, uh, in Pittsburgh yeah. and, and how, you know, 12 of those people were his friends. Yeah. Right. And so you're like, Oh, that, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of deep and heavy right there. Yeah. It was very sobering, but, um, still very powerful and tied into what he had to say for the whole keynote, right? Which was fantastic. So mm-hmm. there was those things. And, you know, I don't, I don't think I sat through one, one presentation where I thought this was a waste of my time. No. And sometimes you do that at a conference, you go and you kind of pick, you pick and choose what you want based on the abstract or based on the person that, cause you know them from somewhere. Right. And then you go and sit in and you're like, Oh, I've heard this before. Yeah. Uh, this doesn't quite make much sense to me, right? Yeah. But you're there, and so you, you feel obligated. But in this conference, I haven't had that feeling. No, and it's funny because some of the con- – I've been going to a lot of open pedagogy workshops and presentations because that's what I'm really into right now and, and bringing student participation in, in classes and creating OER resources. So I've been going to a few of those, and you would think it would be the same thing. And there is some of the same thing, but there's different ways of approach, which I yeah. really appreciate it. Yeah. And one thing that I really appreciate about a lot of these sessions that I'm going to is the art of story that's being brought into the narrative. The idea oh, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, we need to be telling stories and how with our students, even in these presentations, like the last one I went to was student perception of OER, of uh, co-creation in OER. Mm-hmm. And it's just so important that we tell our students stories. So if we're experiencing right. these things, 
and seeing success with things or seeing barriers that our students are coming up against. We need to share that because this, why are we here? We're here for our students, right? Like mm-hmm. it's not just that we're here because we love our job. We're, and the reason why we love our job is we typically want to see our students move on to success. Yeah, that's right. And, and, and that's the kind of thing that you rub, you rub up against all the time when you're having like a, a meal with somebody or, or you're in the middle of a, of a, of a session from one to another and you're in that transition time or that transit time and you get talking to people and they're like, yeah, I'm the only one. Yeah. Or yeah, I'm one of few. Yeah. Right. And you kind of get that isolated feeling and you feel like, okay, I'm just, I'm pushing a big boulder up a, up a steep hill. And then you come to a conference like this and you find out, okay, I'm not so alone anymore. No, exactly. And that's what I discovered when I started doing all this open pedagogy stuff before I knew what it was, it was called open. And then you start, I started learning about this thing called BC campus. And then I kind of reached out a little bit to BC campus and (laughs) BC campus is amazing because I just asked a question and they're they're basically grabbing you, giving you a huge hug and bringing you into the fold, right? It's just such a community and such a family. I remember reaching out to Amanda saying, this is great. I'd love to work with you on a, a webinar and the next thing you know, she's like, let's do this. Yep. Let's make it happen. And yep. she was helping me out. And it's been a relationship that has grown exponentially between myself and BC Campus because everybody that's part of this open community it really is that open. Like it's, it's not just a philosophy of teaching. It's a philosophy of life. Well, and that's just it because it's, you, you just said it. Like it's, it's a philosophy on how we approach the whole thing of what we do. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and for, a lot of, for a lot of people, including myself, um, it's natural to fit into this community because you're already feeling that way. Yeah. Right. And so you come to a community like this and you're like, okay, uh, I'm not, I'm not as weird as I thought I was back in my own department because I'm one of 15 or two yeah. of 20. Yeah, exactly. Right? And so you, you get into that, that mindset of well, you're really a pioneer and then you come here and it's like, okay, you're not really such a pioneer. There's mm-hmm. lots of people who are doing the same thing you are. Yeah. And the awesome thing is, is that they're, they're willing to share what they've learned, but I found even more importantly, they're willing to share with you what they failed at. That's the important part. Right? Yeah. And there's so much learning in that, which is what we need to pass on to our students anyways. We'll do another sure. episode on that. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, it's, there, there's, and there's fear in that. It's not like everybody here has got like this big courage badge and you know, no. they're kind of out trying to outdo each other and sharing their, their mistakes because you know, their mistakes and people don't want to spend a lot of time talking about them, but they do have the courage to step up and go, you know what? I did that and it sucked. Yeah. Yeah. And then share why it sucked and then yeah. kind of how they can bounce from it and learn from it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. So, uh, what else has been good for you? Oh yeah. Coffee. Not, not the coffee. I'll tell you that. Well, That's one thing. As good a conference as this is, the coffee is very much conference coffee. Well, yeah, well, it's coffee. At least it's, it's here. That's true. Yeah, there's um, a Starbucks right around the corner. That has been one of the, but this lineup in the morning is huge, but it's worth it. <laughs> I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> so I, I drink my, cause I'm staying at a different hotel. So I'm about 15 minute walk away. So I, nice thing about my hotel though, is they got a hot breakfast. So I have my breakfast there Oh yeah. and then I'll yeah. have the gross coffee and then walk over here and stand in line for 20 minutes to get my actual <laughs> Starbucks coffee here. <laughs> so that's good. Um, another highlight for me in, it's just been incredible is meeting all these people like i'm very active on twitter yeah and especially in the open community so just tweeting out there and then you get to know people through tweets and dms and people sharing stories and their failures like it's just such an amazing community online uh but to actually physically meet these people and shake their hands and have conversations with them it's just been so incredible and to see that these people live up to how they are online too oh yeah and and to come up to them and 
you know, kind of shake their hand and go, hey, yeah, I follow you on Twitter. And they're like, oh, yeah, no, I follow you on Twitter. Right. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you do? Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> you kind of forget that some of these people follow you. Right. But totally. it's, it's actually helped me make make the first step towards a connection. Mm hmm. Right. Because it's like, hey, I don't know if you know this, but I follow you on Twitter and, you know, you, you say a lot of great things. And obviously, that's why I follow you. Just want to come shake your hand, say thank you for, you know, your, your session or. Yeah. How's it going and, and stuff like that. So there's already that, that the, the awkwardness is already taken away. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cause you get point of first contact, right? You don't have to yep. think, okay, I, I want to come up and come up with some awkward, Hey, like your shoes. <laughs> Which would make it really awkward because how many people have actually gone? That's not true. I've had people say stuff like that. And I have said stuff like that. They said, they said stuff about your shoes. Well, yeah. If you got like, some cool shoes on, why not talk about them? I saw a guy that had like old school vans on that, oh. like the checkered ones like I had when I was 12. I was like, man, yeah. I used to have those exact shoes when I was like 12 years old. <laughs> I'm sure he's real happy to hear that. Yeah, he wasn't so happy to hear yeah. that. We both, just, we both felt very old very quickly <laughs> and then it got awkward and we just kind of agreed to walk away from each other. I'm just going to go eat my oatmeal now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got some dates here I got to eat. <laughs> got to eat those prunes. Yeah, it's five o'clock. It's time for bed. It's right. Sun's going down. I better go to bed. <laughs> yeah. It's early morning. But it's funny, like Twitter gets such a bad rap. And I can see why, like I can see depending on which kind of network you're within it, but I find in the open and academic Twitter, and I guess maybe not even the academic Twitter, more open Twitter yeah. is just, it is again, a great community. There has been, I mean, there has been some issues with it as of recently, but we don't need to talk about those. <laughs> we won't talk about that. But I mean, but that's the thing. Like there's anytime you get people involved, the only problem with being involved with people is the people. Well, I mean, Twitter is just a tool, right? Yeah. It's just a tool that people use to communicate. And, yeah. You know, and some people get mad, they get mad. Yeah. Right. And some people get, you know, PO'd. Well, they're going to do it. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's easy to just, you know, hop on there and tweet and not uh, think about what you're putting out there. Well, and one person said he doesn't want to tweet much because he's thinking, okay, so he takes like half an hour to send a tweet out. He's like, so how will this be misinterpreted? Yeah. How will it be misconstrued? Yeah. Right. How will I be labeled? Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh. And, and it could be just a simple forward answer that you're giving to somebody and you're, and you're making that, that thought process now a part of your tweeting process. Mm -hmm. Right. So mm -hmm. forget about the 135 characters or 132. I don't even know what it is, but <laughs> forget about that. Like every, these people are thinking about what's going to be the ramification yeah. of me sending out this little Twitter. That's true. And we had a conversation about that. There's been times where you, you or I have the, thought about jumping into a discussion and then thought, no, I don't want to get jumped into that discussion because yeah. it, it just doesn't play out well, which is good. I mean, that's what we should be doing yeah. instead of just merging into conversations or, I mean, that's the way we should be in all things. We should take a beat, especially when you're frustrated or confused or mad. Don't respond right away. I mean, I've, I wish I could learn this in my own marriage, but <laughs> take a second, relax, take the deep breath and start trying to see it from different perspectives. Do it! Just do it! Don't let your dreams be dreams. Yesterday, you said tomorrow. So just do it! Make your dreams come true. Just yeah. do and it. When you start seeing it from different perspectives, you realize, okay, they might actually have a point in there. I don't agree with it necessarily, but there's, I can see the point. See, and that's the point that I, I, I keep coming back to. And that, you know, I, I think, I think people, I think people need to just settle down and be able to have a conversation um, and, and not even a discussion because, you know, discussions can become very uh, polarizing, mm -hmm. but have a, have that dialogue. Right. Because I think people should be able to say, you know what? I hear what you're saying, but I disagree with it. Yeah. And I was actually talking to, to steel about this earlier at a, at a, at a session we were at. And I actually thanked him for a question that he asked because it was a very important question. Mm -hmm. 
uh, as a, as a male, it was a very important question to hear another male ask this question. Um, and, and I said, you know, and, and one, uh, we both kind of came to the conclusion that, you know, we need to be able to have a dialogue, even if we don't agree. Yep. And, and we were talking about the context of collaboration in the sense that if, if there's a person on your team that you don't agree with, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Right. You got to be mature enough to go, you know what? I don't really agree with your point of view, but for the sake of the project, I'll put aside my ego and put aside my need to win this argument mm-hmm. and let's just move forward with the project. Yeah. Right. And the context was about collaboration, but it was more about having a discussion about shared values before the project starts. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, because you and I have worked on a bunch of projects, but it's natural for us because we've got some time to get to know each other. Yeah. And then now we, we want to work with each other all the time mm-hmm. and, and we're a really good fit. Yes. Right. And there's other people that you work with and I work with. It's the same thing. Yeah. Right. But when you're, but I know that when you're going into a new team environment, you need to have those conversations about role expectations, about shared values, um, and find out where those sticking points are before you get into the mess. Yeah. Because it goes back to what I've said before. If you haven't worked out your stuff before you get into the mess, when you're in it, it's too late. Well, and that goes back to one of the exercises you do. And I, I feel like we're going all over the place, but it's fine. That's okay. Um, one of the exercises you do in your org B class is the team charter, right? Yeah. yeah. And having coming up with the agreements, like how are we going to handle this? How are we going to handle that? Like, yeah. it'd be nice if you could figure out a way to kind of do that with, I mean, you should be doing that with any project. I think if you're going to be oh, working yeah. with people, yeah. I mean, you and I, we, we, you know what, we have a team charter. It might not be written down, but we've got it figured out. Like it just yeah. is intuitive for us. Yeah. But with a team of people you've never worked with before, I think you have to, and any project has come up with a list of rules Yep. as to how you're going to work, do these things and what you're going to do in the case of a, a disagreement or, you know, if you come to loggerhead, what's the issue? Like, Yeah. And, and I don't think, I don't think you have to get too prescriptive about it. If it's just, you know, you and another person, or even if there's three of you, I don't think it has to get super prescriptive and, and, and burdensome. It can just be something simple as what are you, what are you best at? What, what do you, yeah. what do you like to do? Yeah. Uh, and then, start talking about how that fits into the project. Yeah. Right. And start playing to everybody's strengths. Mm-hmm. And, and the big thing is, is the deflation of ego, right? So when that ego gets deflated, now the whole thing becomes easier mm-hmm. because you're not, you're not worried about somebody else stealing your limelight because nobody wants the limelight. They want the project to get the limelight. Right. 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 Um, and, and I've seen it happen with even some very strong willed people where when they, when they come to that place of agreement, they move forward. Now, it doesn't, it doesn't erase problems in the future, but it gives you a framework to deal with those problems mm-hmm. in the future, right? And that's right. so important because I, I've seen teams blow apart because they haven't done that pre-work. And, yep. Yep. you know, and everybody on that team is, they're, they're equipped, they're, they're skilled, they could do the work, mm-hmm. but for some reason, when they don't work out their stuff before they get into the mess, then the mess will tear them apart. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then projects, it's too bad because you'll have, there are probably projects out there that would have been amazing that mm-hmm. just fell apart. Yeah. So what are you going to walk away f- from this conference with a day, one and a half in? Collaboration is a big, it seems to be an ongoing theme. And I just, I've done a lot of stuff on my own because at the beginning I was the only person that was able to do it. Right. But now I'm really, and it's, I mean, it's just kind of reinforcing, I've, I'm working collaboratively on another project. I mean, I've yeah. collaborated with you on a bunch of stuff, but stepping outside my comfort zone and collaborating with others and people that I ne- don't necessarily have worked with before or haven't necessarily worked with before, reaching out and trying to collaborate with people across institutions, across countries, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's the whole joy of having this 
connectedness that we have nowadays. Yeah. So I would love to be more involved in collaboration and reaching out and discussing how other people are doing things and, and working with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of along the same lines because I've got a bunch of projects coming up that I'm like, yeah, you know, I want to, I want to make sure that we do it right. And so listening to a bunch of people talk about their experiences within those projects is what I'm going to take away from this so far in the sense that kind of feel like we're heading in the right direction, kind of feel like we've done our, our, our due diligence well, kind of feel like our foundation is pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Now it's time to move on and start looking at building some stuff to get some results. Yes. Right. Yeah. And, um, and so that, that's, that's probably one of the top things I'm walking away from. If I had to leave today, like right after this podcast, if I had to leave today, that would be the gem Yeah. outside of the H5P stuff. Right? H5P stuff's pretty amazing. Okay. Yeah, definitely. And another one that's hit me too is the importance of student stories. And when we're discussing oh, open yeah, pedagogy, yeah. Yeah. well, the importance of story period and narrative, like trying to weave that more into how I do my presentations, mm-hmm. trying to weave my students' stories, their failures, their, their barriers, their, their hard points. I mean, there's so much when you actually can say, okay, this is Kevin. Kevin had to work full time on the weekends just to be able to attend my course. Like there's power behind that and sure. people can actually understand, well, whoa, that's right. I guess my students do carry stories. They do have a life that they're bringing into class with them. It's not just they're the student. Right? And we, it's so important that we understand our students' stories and be willing to listen to them. And as an instructor who was, I thought, very connected to my students, and I've been teaching now for 10 years, I can honestly say it's only been within the past two years that I really started digging into my students' stories. Yeah. And it's been blowing my mind. And it's made me respect my students so much more, the stuff that they're bringing, the baggage that they're bringing, the financial burdens that they all have. It's when you start talking to them, you will be humbled. And I think that just makes us better educators for them. Well, it makes us more, I don't know if it makes us more empathetic. It just makes us more understanding. I think you have to have the empathy before you become understanding. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But but you can grow in empathy. That's the good thing. Right. Yeah. But um, yeah, you're right. And and that's one thing I've noticed too. Now you've said it is, is this idea of student agency and giving students more uh, opportunity to be involved in the content creation. Yep. Right. Yep. And you're, you're kind of messing around with it a tiny bit. And, and we all deal with outlines. We all deal with curriculum mm-hmm. uh, boundaries and parameters and expectations. Yep. So it's not like we're given this complete blank slate. Like we, we have edges to the, f- yeah, we have outcomes you have to hit, yeah. right? But it's, it's now taking that and going, okay, what can we do differently to achieve the same outcome? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, so it's, yeah, you're right. The student agency piece has been another, I've noticed that that's been a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I was mentioning to you the other day, like I'm now that I'm talking more to my students about their lives, I'm noticing a trend that a lot of my students are working full time while attending my foundations course. And it's a six hour course. Like they're in class for, they're supposed to be in class from seven thirty till two fifteen every day. Right. Some of them are working till two in the morning. And so I used to get really frustrated and say, you know, you've got to show up. You've got to be on time. Now I'm being a lot more flexible. I'm making sure that that morning time is time that we're working on like problems on worksheets or together in groups so that if they need to sleep, they are allowed, they're allowed to have that safe place to come in. And I know the argument against it is, so it's not the way it's going to be when they're working out in the real world, which I know is a term you hate. I hate that term. But they're in school right now. And why can't we make school a safe place for them? Why can't we make it so that they can come in, feel safe and feel like they, they can come in at their worst and still have a place in that class. Well, and still have an opportunity to finish what they've started. Exactly. Right. And it kind of goes hand in hand with the, I don't care what your end mark is. Mm-hmm. Right. Because if they're going to come in late or if they're going to miss a day, they're going to miss stuff. That's just natural. Yeah. Right. 
and that may have an effect on the final outcome of their of their grade for the course. Yep. I mean, it, it's it's a no brainer. But when you take that, you take that expectation away of that all your students will have to pass with at least like a ninety percent, right? Because you want to feel good because you want to show somebody else, yeah. hey, my class is averaging eighty nine percent. Exactly. Exactly. Like, it, it just it just dissolves all that away. Yeah. Because you know that when you see that student again in the following year, or you see them on the street for some reason. And they're and they're a better person because of their experience yeah. with you. To me, that's more way way more important than a you know an eighty nine or a ninety five. Like I, I really don't care what your mark is. I mean, I, I care that they pass, and I care yeah. that I care that they do well, and I care yeah. that they have an ethic, right? But I don't give a flying hootie tootie that you got you got eighty nine percent. Like I really don't care. No, which is a huge shift for me because I used to be very proud of the fact that I had cl- high class averages because of the stuff I was doing. I was doing a lot of formative assessment, which yeah. works. Yeah. So that would be a point of pride for me. Mm-hmm. And now. It's, I don't care. Like you said, it, it's not about that. It's about making mm-hmm. sure that these students are feeling safe, that they're actually having the learning that's coming in there. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing there's a lot of students that I'm coming in with a lot of learning disabilities yep. and yep. we got to help these, these students through this. And I don't care if he gets 70% versus 90%. My class average is not a reflection on me anyways. And all it is is a metric that my class can do well on tests. What was that turning point for you? Or, or when was that turning point for you? About two years ago when I started talking to the students and started hearing their stories and they're having, like, I had a student crying in my office once because of some family issues that was going on. And, I had, and then like two days later, I had another student kind of walk in with, with tears in his eyes and then he just needed, he couldn't talk. So I sent him off to the lab and said, you need a safe place to go, go over to the lab and sit there. Yeah. And when you're ready to come in, like they, once you give them that safe space or they feel safe, they, and it's the same with all of us. Once you feel safe, you feel like, okay, you can unload a little bit and you can let the burden off, right? Yeah. Put down, pull down the mask. So yeah, two years ago, and I don't know what the impetus was behind it. Aside from the fact that I think maybe it was always building towards that. And it was just finally that next step. But yeah. I always cared about my students. I always had fun with my students. I always wanted to see the best, but becoming more, and it's not intimate is kind of the word, but in a platonic type of way with my students yeah. and getting to share with them. Like they all know about my families and that my stuff and like my health issues and mm-hmm. all that stuff. I share mm-hmm. that with them. They share their stuff with me and then it becomes this friendship and this relationship. And I think that's important. I think like some, so many instructors and educators lose the idea that at the end of the day, and we've talked so much about this, but it's all about relationships. Everything yeah. is about relationships. So if I can build good relationships with my students, and they feel like they're in a safe relationship. Maybe it's the only safe relationship they have. At least that's that's what kind of what I'm working towards right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. You're building trust with them, right? And so they're they're looking at that. And so when they're building, when you're building trust with them, they're more likely to give trust to you because you're giving it first. Yeah, right? yeah. You're you're showing them how to do it. Yeah, right? yeah. And some of these students, they I don't know because they they come from cultures, backgrounds, and everything where it's, trust is not something that's part of their family unit. Yeah, and so they. I think we're trying to make people better people. Yeah, that's right. I was one of those apprentices that I would carry my marks in my hard hat. Oh, really? Yeah. I've known a few of you out there like that. But I, <laughs> a few of you. I, I came from a company that was like that. The whole thing was everybody that was in the company, it was a small company, had all they all had college degrees. And so it was always your expectation was to get above 90. And so right. everybody was carrying their, it might not have been written in hard hat, but everybody knew what everybody else was getting on their thing that was the expectation that you had to get in the low to mid nineties if you're mm. going to stick around that company. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't so much a company thing for us, but it was more of a prideful thing for me. And, uh, cause I, I felt like I had a lot to prove. Mm. Right. And 
So because I was older when I got into the trades and so I'm competing against younger guys and some yeah. of them, you know, some of them are just smarter. Yeah. So the, the way that I could beat them was on marks at school yeah. uh, just sheer willpower of getting stuff done. Yeah. And, and I was super, super proud of that. And then when I started teaching, it was like, wait a minute, none of that makes any difference. New. No. Right. doesn't make a difference because I would see these, I would see these students come in and I won't use the K word because, you know, some people don't like the K word, but. The K word? K word. No, little humans. Oh, yes. K word. Yeah, yes. we'll stay away from that. <laughs> but. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. I, I'm picking up what you're putting down now. Yeah, yes. Okay. And uh, so they would come into the classroom and I would look at them and I go, huh. They'd always, they'd always surprise me. Like the people that I thought would be like the high eighties, nineties, like even ace it, yeah. they were the ones struggling. Totally. And in the ones str that I thought would struggle and fail, they'd end up being mid or top mark. Yep. Right. So I started looking at that and going, okay, I need to stop this whole mark thing. Like this, this is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And, and then after doing the masters, it even became more solid for me in the sense that I, I don't care what your mark is because what I care more about is when you get out of this classroom, when you leave this world to go out to the other world, mm -hmm. I want you to be able to apply what you've learned here. I don't want it to be just about getting through a gate. Right. Right. I want it to, I want you to build it into your life. So you become a better tradesperson. So you, you become a better leader. You become a better person. Mm -hmm. as, as weird as that sounds from coming from a, from a plumber, like learning plumbing code, how's that going to make you a better person? Well, it's not gonna make you a better person so much, but it's going to help you understand what you need to do so yep. you can better communicate what you need to do. Yeah, definitely. Right? And that has a huge trickle down effect. So hundred percent agree. Yeah. Good. Good. I'm glad you agree. <laughs> we tend to do once in a while that, around here. That'd be awkward if you didn't agree. Yeah. The room's getting quiet. It is. Well, it's getting to be that time o'clock. It's that time, time o'clock. It's kind of almost beer o'clock here. It's oh, 409. I see. I think people yeah. are going off to happy hours. All right. So how about some tips for conference travelers? Definitely. Like I mentioned, make sure you're taking some time out for yourself. There's, mm -hmm. you're never going to be able to hit all the workshops that you can hit. Yeah. So I know for me, and then one thing I would also suggest is when you're taking that time out, do not watch Twitter because then you start seeing <laughs> all the stuff you're missing. And that F was bugging FM, me. FMO or whatever. Yeah. If you're, if you're missing, missing out, out you yeah. told yeah, FOMO is I've got, got tweet deck on and in my, one of my columns, I've got hashtag open ed 19. And so I was like lying in my hotel room, I was like popped it open and there it is. And all of a sudden I was like, Oh man, I wish I'd gone to that. I, I'm wasting my time here. How often am I going to be able to see that? And I'm like, no, no. Yeah. Stop. So I just, that's been important. Um, little tidbit, like I'm looking right now at my battery pack. That thing has saved me yep. because you're tweeting nonstop or you're taking pictures. You're talking to people. Heck, I'm listening to music sometimes in between sessions. The battery gets eaten pretty quick and pretty then quick. you want to keep it going. So I've got this little portable battery pack. So <laughs> just, there's 450 people here. There isn't 450 outlets. No, exactly. And I've seen a few people's like modern day horror stories, hashtag modern day horror stories. Yeah. One more session to go. My battery is at 6%. Yeah, there you go. So, there you go. You'd almost be uh, smart if you brought like a small extension cord with like a six plex on it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Charge people five cents an hour. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Especially at an open ed conference. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to rent out my extension cord at an open ed conference. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. And okay. get, and talk to people, like reach talk out. And yep. if you follow somebody on Twitter, like you said, walk up to them and say, Hey, I follow you on Twitter. I just want yeah. to say thank you. Yeah. Cause you've already got that awkwardness out of the way. You got that first point of contact, like you said. Yep. Cool. You, uh, one is hydrate. Yeah. That's a whole, you know, when you're inside the stinking air conditioning just dries you out. Like my I mean, lips are so dry. Well, it's cause we're in Arizona and we're, we're Canadian, we're Canadian, West coast, West coast, coast yeah. we're not complaining, but 
No, definitely not complaining. I'm also sunburned. <laughs> it's November 1st tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Our families are like, okay, it's like four degrees as a yep. high today. Well, yep. We're down here at 22, 24 degrees. Oh, crazy. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go back to Victoria in a few days and it's like two degrees. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome back. <laughs> anyway. Um, so hydrate. Yeah. Bring a water bottle. That's what I was saying to you this yep. morning, right? Yep. Yeah. Hydrate a lot. Um, get your sleep. Yeah. That's one thing I'm lacking. Yeah. Get your sleep because you're learning a ton and you're drinking from the fire hose, your brain needs time to store it all. Yes. Right? Yeah. Um, and bring a small notepad. Mm-hmm. Right? Bring a small notepad. Not that you want to take notes of every everything that you're doing, but there's those small snippets that you hear. Yeah. And it's too late to drag your phone out and take a photo of the That's screen. Right. That's right. But if you've got that notepad with you, you just write it down. Yeah. Just write it down. Um, and another one that I would say, and most people probably already know this, but is take a picture of the first slide because it's got everybody's contact information yeah, on it, right? Point. And so, you know, if there's multiple presenters and you want to know who they are or you want to contact them later and they got all their Twitter information up there, you just, there's the picture. Right. Now you've got it. Yep. Yeah. Right? That's a great, that's a great tip. I should have followed that because there's lots of times where, well, or you have me sitting beside you and you keep asking me, <laughs> What's their Twitter handle? What's their Twitter handle? Because I, I forgot to take a picture of the first slide, right? So that's my tip. Take a picture of the first slide because then you yeah. have all the information there and and it's all good to totes, go, right? Totally. Yeah. Totes my goats. Totes my goats. And I got the battery pack too. And it's, uh, it's I haven't used it as much as you, probably because I don't listen to music and yeah, that's I'm not thing. on Twitter verse as much as you, but I've used it a few times, even to charge my laptop. Yeah. And, that's, uh, I'm jealous of that. Yeah. It's pretty good i'm surprisingly heavy for the little sucker but you can uh, feel it yeah that's about let's see probably oh, the same, same. Yeah. yeah but um anyway all that to say that's good and um and you know don't be afraid this is what i've done don't be afraid to cut uh some slack time in your day mm-hmm. right so if you know that you're kind of flying lower under the radar at two don't go to a two o'clock session yep go have a nap yeah take a little 20 minute or you don't, oh, I'm getting all emotional. You don't have to sleep. <laughs> um, just close your eyes, lay there for 20 minutes. Yeah. On a couch. Or even this morning, felt kind of weird. I'm getting all emotional again. I'm gonna, no, I'm good. Okay. Um, on the courtyard this morning, 7.30. I was there before you showed up. Yep. Just sat in the courtyard. They got some water going. Had a coffee. Had my uh, had my laptop out. People thought I was working. Yeah. I wasn't working. No, I know you were. I saw you there and I was like, <laughs> I'm going to give him space. It's... <laughs> I can't, we can't always be hanging out. <laughs> that's, right. that's right. But uh, yeah, so take time for yourself, man. Yeah, that's so true. I not agree more with that one. It's all good. And bring extra socks. Yeah. And yeah, I, I underpacked. I always underpack. I didn't Ooh. underpack my underwear though. I brought enough of that. But okay. I, t-shirts, I could have brought another t-shirt. And another thing, I, did, I should have brought a hoodie or something. Uh, you would think that Arizona would be hot all the time, but it's not. It gets no. really cold at night. Well, it's desert, man. I know. <laughs> So when I'm walking back last night, after we went out for dinner with yeah. Mike Dabrowski and yeah. that was, I was so Mike, cold. Mike, Big Mike. shout out. I can't wait to have him on. Oh yeah. He's like my double, my doppelganger as far as <laughs> when it goes to not, I mean, he, to see him, you wouldn't say that, but his no. teaching style, he's doing exactly what I do. And oh yeah. Yeah. It's great. So it's nice. To, and he's just an all around cool guy to hang out with. Oh, he's so cool. Yeah. He's got the cool accent too. I know. And he speaks like 18 languages. Yep. Yeah. Mike. Mike. All right. Good. <laughs> All right. So no more tips, but, uh, so we'll close it up there for, uh, this episode of the Praxis Pedagogy podcast down Thank at you. the, <laughs> down at the <laughs> Renaissance boutique spa hotel in, uh, Glendale, Arizona. Yep. And, um, 
this will uh, head out soon. And then uh, after this, we have a couple cool guests coming up. So if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe to uh, the podcast and all your podcast platforms out there. And if you're listening to us on iTunes, give us the five-star rating because that would make us feel super, super special. And what's your Twitter handle? My Twitter handle has actually changed now. I know. I didn't know you could do that. Oh, I didn't know either. And then I changed it because I wanted it to match the podcast, well, right? It's working. It's good. So it's my... my all right let's have another coffee um my my twitter handle is at praxis pedagogy that's What's easy yours? mine is at chad h flynn that's pretty easy too f-l-i-n-n don't put the y in there how's you no can find me no why no why you don't fly with a y i don't fly with a y nice my name's flynn not flying <laughs> That's my dad used to always say. <laughs> is there a is there a thing there like between the Irish and the Scottish where it said that the Irish is the I and the Scottish is the Y? I don't know. I, no, I think the Irish are the Y too. Do they? Yeah. My grandma always told us that the reason why we changed our name to it used to be F O Y N, but we got kicked out of Ireland for horse thievery. So my stupid oh. great 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 grandfather thought changing just the I to the or the Y to the I made a difference. Did it work? I have not yet been hung for horse thievery. So, so they haven't found you yet. They have not yet found me. Okay. Well, it worked. Yep. Nice. Nice. <laughs> All right. We're signing off. Right. Uh, until uh, next week, everybody. Take care. All right. See you next week. Out. Be curbed. <laughs> That's good, man. I love that.